Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners, executives, and founders from around the world about operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Today, Steve Whittington, president of Canadian HubSpot Solutions partner Roadmap, joins the show. Steve and I talk about the oftentimes unspoken aspect of systems implementation, the ripple effect and impact a new CRM can have on an organization's culture, which feels especially true when it's an organization moving on to a CRM for the first time, but it's certainly relevant to any migration project. Steve talks about how he views and defines the culture change that comes with the new CRM platform, the differences he sees at the individual level and the company level, and whether it's a change in mindset, behaviors, accountability, responsibility, or all of the above. He then shares how his team implements that culture change in support of a new CRM platform, and if there are any particular tools or functions or capabilities within something like HubSpot that seem to spark the culture change more often or more drastically than others. We wrap with his recommendations for other partners and services providers on how to account for the culture change and how to ensure it's factored in appropriately into every client engagement, frontline user training and support, and more. Agency Unfiltered, let's dive in. Hey, Steve, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing, my friend? Fantastic today. Excellent. Now, uh, uh, I I don't know if this is true. I don't want to like do a disservice to anybody I've had in previous episodes. You might be uh, my first uh, guest uh, from our friends to the north, from Canada. I think that might truly be Oh, really? Be the case. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from pretty far north, too, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. when does When does summer hit for you? Well, May long weekend. That's when I say we're really getting a chance of it not freezing. And that's that's not yet. That's coming up. Uh, that's yeah. a week away at least. Yeah. Uh, fair. I mean, obviously, uh, coming from Boston and talking to some of my coworkers, they might be down in Southern California or Atlanta, Georgia. And so what they might consider freezing cold, I'm like, no, that's summer. You know, I'm putting shorts on. I'm hitting the beach with that. So it's all subjective, I guess. Um, that's right. I, I've seen snow every month of the year where I live. <laughs> Uh, well, you have to, you have to enjoy it. You must be a, a snow bunny in some, in some regards, you know, um, Steve, you were just telling me this and, you know, I don't know how comfortable you are with, with a little bit of self-promotion, but I can't, I can't not get into this. And I feel like by, by telling the listener that I have a, uh, a mountain climber on as a guest like that, that's not doing it justice. It sounds like you're, you're pretty much the real deer here. Give us a, give us a background of your mountain climbing experience. So to date, uh, I'm north of 50 successful summits on 50 different mountains. Um, and I've done the full spectrum of, uh, you know, alpine face or thousand foot rock faces to ice climbs, uh, to going straight up. Uh, one of the climbs was a, a thousand foot ice wall and, uh, to big high altitude mountains all around the world. Uh, and I've led expeditions around the world. I've been a sponsored climber by the Royal Canadian Geographic Society to, to <laughs> find places that 
nobody's ever been. And so we've tried to attempt, uh, you know, unclimbed peaks in Canada's north and in the Yukon specifically. Yeah. And, uh, and the one, the one that really stands out is I, I was a lead climber on the, on the big E on Everest and, uh, we got to the top. Unreal. Unreal. So you, you're just, you're fearless. You just, no fear. I no. I, I, I have respect for uh, the dangers that I face and I've gotten good at risk assessment hmm. and, uh, understanding, uh, where your abilities can mitigate risk because the consequence is very high in the mountains. You make a mistake, yeah. the consequences, you're not coming back. Yeah, that's fair. And honestly, one of my most successful climbs is when the, the, the conditions in the mountain turned against us and we had to get down. And, and I spent a week getting my team down safely and, wow. and getting us extracted by helicopter. And that's, that's what I consider. We didn't summit, but I consider that my most successful leadership challenge, getting everybody home. That is incredible. How often does this come up uh, in conversations you have uh, with prospects and clients. Like I, I can't help but think there's some natural parallels or metaphors, like opportunities to speak to these experiences that bode well for like sales conversations. Or like, hey, you know, you're picking the right partner when you pick roadmap, you know? Yeah, fair, fair enough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm now an old and no longer bold climber uh, <laughs> because the two of them don't go together. Uh, you don't usually get old and bold climbers because they don't, they're not around. <laughs> uh, but I'm still active. I'm I'm planning I'm planning one of the 50 uh, classic climbs in North America this this year because it's going to be it's going to be a ton of fun, and and when I don't I don't I don't bring it up like uh, but clients find out about it, sure. and uh, and then there's always a conversation, and the truth of it is is that when you're doing an engagement to uh, reach a target, or reach a new high, and you've got a background in which you make declarations to get people to the highest points of the earth, there is a parallel. You know, um, and some of the things that some of the clients do, it's like they got to keep climbing. It's a mountain with no top if you're going to do continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. So there's there's tons of parallels. That's awesome. That's great. Um, now, Steve, I think uh, I mean I feel like I could ask you a million questions uh, about your mountain climbing experience, but I think what you and I have on the docket for this uh, episode is uh, more about uh, like culture and and culture potential culture changes that come alongside systems implementation. Sounds like you and your team have a tremendous amount of experience introducing and implementing HubSpot for, for clients. Uh, but it sounds like also you're super intentional with acknowledging and helping shepherd like a cultural change that comes with a new system. Uh, hopefully right. I'm, I'm representing this appropriately, but maybe uh, to start, how do you think about or how do you position kind of that culture change that runs alongside like a new HubSpot platform like HubSpot? So I think I think this is going to be different uh, for various different partners or various different clients based on uh, their maturity of where they are with, say, CRMs or marketing automation. Sure. But, you know, you can you can find the stats and whether they're totally true or not is is debatable. But 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 what's interesting is the amount of organizations that don't have a CRM or don't use it effectively. And it's, and it's shockingly high, like, you know, no matter what number you find, it's often up towards a 40%. Mm. That's massive. Okay. So the other side of it is, is that uh, another number that I, I found that was interesting because I'm, you know, I'm kind of interested in this stuff, obviously, mm. is that a, a good chunk of salespeople don't even know what a CRM is. So when you're talking about implementing a CRM and you have that many people that have never been exposed to a CRM, it's a different way of being. So yeah. of course you're going to be changing the culture. 
you're going to be, because a CRM creates a whole bunch of accountability that wasn't there. A CRM creates a whole bunch of uh, visibility into the organization that wasn't there. And and people aren't comfortable with, with tracking emails and just basic one-on-one stuff that a CRM brings. So you're going to have to uh, assess what the the level of maturity that the co- uh, the company has uh, to help them uh, to help support them through this cultural change. Yeah. And you know one of the triggers that I see is when you're talking with a, a prospect and and they're like, well, why do we need a CRM? Well, that right there is a trigger that we're going to if we're going to have to explain why. Well, we we've got a different type of client. And and interesting enough, like statistically, like we we get excited in in the tech technology sector of thinking about all the people that are using new tools and, you know, going after revenue operations and all this kind of stuff. But it's a small proportion of the businesses out there that can actualize that kind of stuff. Sure. Like in Canada, like 98% of businesses are, are small businesses under hundred employees. Okay. And, you know, when I look at my client base, we have some enterprise level clients, but a good chunk of them are, you know, in that under hundred employees and they would represent that 40%. And in fact, I I did some first party data thinking about this and upwards of like north of 80% of my clients, this was when we we implemented CRMs for them, this was their first exposure to it. Hmm. So, you know, you're you're changing how they're going to be running their business. And and you so you have to be very very mindful of what that looks like and and uh what you're coming into to uh to transform their business with a with a culture change. Because they were very re- reactive in the past, they just worked hard, got it done, and uh, and just tried to please the customer as best as possible. Now you're adding layers of process and a system that can make make things happen. I can imagine that uh, this this manifests quite a bit in the way in which you train these teams and these companies. I want to put a pin in that for one second. I do want to hear more about it. But as we talk about, and you covered some of it. Uh, emails get tracked. Uh, and there's some additional visibility that they haven't had in the past. Like, what do you find, whether it's HubSpot specific or tool agnostic, like what are some of the tools, functions, capabilities, like what causes the most, most culture shock from your perspective or from your experiences? Well, access to data, you know, access to contact records, like, you know what I mean? The, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest culture shock for a lot of our clients is the, uh, transparent visibility. They're very, very worried about uh, a whole bunch of people being able to see what they're doing, whether it's another member of the sales team or it's the primary driver, like the owner who's heading the sales uh, up. And there's like, well, they're going to they're going to see what I'm saying to the client. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, maybe you should be thinking about what you're saying to the client if you don't want other people to be see, seeing it. Uh, and 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 then that level of accountability that wasn't there. So it's visibility and accountability, and that's that's a massive uh, change in their culture. So if you're going to, if you're going to move an organization uh, from A to B, one of the things that you have to do is you have to increase the accountability in the organization in order for them to be able to hit their goals. The reason they're not hitting their goals often is because they don't have that level of responsibility uh, in how they are as an organization to accountability. Yeah. A CRM does that. Otherwise, they're wasting their money. And, and, and so that's a massive. So you've come from a culture that uh, just works hard, has generally like, you know, forecasts that are hope casts. And now they have a system in place, a, a, a rep, like they can have a predictable revenue model. And they have to, because you've spent time 
actually mapping out and creating a process for them. So a lot of them don't have a, a, a defined sales <laughs> process. So you've mapped out the sales process. You've created a sales book. You've told them what they need to do. You create this level of accountability. It's all there. And now they have to work that system, be accountable to it. That That's a huge, like when you've got sticky notes that are defining stuff for wh where your sales are at and, you know, old manual uh, stuff in notebooks, like that's yeah. what you're dealing with. Or if you're lucky, they got a spreadsheet. And and statistically, 40% of companies are like that. That's where they're at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So like the first thing you do is you got to be mindful of the change that you're going to be creating across this organization. That's that's your first objection. And the, and smart uh, uh, leaders or stakeholders that are the, the people that are making this decision in these organizations, they'll talk about that. They're like, well, I'm going to have to change the way my people are doing stuff. Yep, absolutely. And and let's set up a, a, a plan to support that and and get you through this change and and make it now a new habit a new way of being so you we're coming in and we're helping establish this new culture a culture of accountability a culture of responsibility of visibility uh and it sounds like you're helping them shape the systems the processes to enable that so i think like the first half is probably painting that picture that visualization like hey helping define what that new culture is is the second mm -hmm. piece of it uh, like getting people on board, you know, the, the reps that haven't had their sales conversations be visible before or have leveraged sticky notes and, and more analog tools. Is there hesitancy or concerns or like, are, you know, are they afraid to enter this new culture? How do you, how do you alleviate some of those concerns or do they even pop up? So there's, there's, oh yeah, it pops up. <laughs> there's, uh, there's kind of two groups, uh, even, even, even with the sales managers and stuff like that. Um, so there's the group that are high performers and they they want this change because they 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 see the value right away how it's going to help them reach their goals. Sure. Uh, and then there are um, legacy sales team members or legacy employees that are let's be honest are coasting. They don't want that visibility into their into their accountability. They're happy just the way things are. Leave me alone. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And and so they're your detractors. And, and, and I've seen it uh, with organizations where we actually have to help coach them out uh, if you're going to have a successful implementation uh, because they're not, they're just not going to embrace it. So it's a matter of, okay, this person, we're going to keep them off system. They're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be moving on, mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, because uh, we can't have them hold this up because we need this. We need to see this to be able to get to uh, where we want to go. And the reason people are engaging in putting in a platform uh, like HubSpot is because of the goals that they want. So they, they, the why is if I want to reach this, yes, I've got to do this. Yes, I've got to change my company. Okay, what are all the things that I need to change, Steve? What are some of the steps that I have to do? Well, we'll assess the, we'll assess the different players that are going to be using this and, and see uh, you know, how willing they are to, to, to step up and, and make this change. And, and if they're not, well, we're going to, we're going to have to have a conversation around what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so do you find that yeah, comes up sure. more frequently than not? Or is it like the, the, it's not a 0% chance, but it's the more rare occasion in which, yeah, I mean, the, at a business level, they understand the value. They know the direction. This is where they need to go. Uh, but there's maybe a, a detractor or two that we need to, to think about coaching out. Uh, how, what, what's the frequency in which that happens? You know, I, I, I love, I love running data and stuff like that. So that might be something that I, I run some analysis on. Uh, but, uh, you know, off the top of my head, it, it's a smaller percentage. Sure. It's, um, it, it's, it's probably, it's lower than 20, but it's probably north of 10%. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So yep. it, you know, fair. if you got an eleven person team, you're going to have at least one person that is just not going to not going to play ball. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it so happens then you, then frequent enough. Decisions you have to make. Where you can at least build it into your rollout plan, your you know, like the way in which you implement and train and coach these organizations. Uh, it sounds like it happens again frequent enough where it's it's part of the process, and your your team's prepared to to coach through it and help like identify uh, uh, when to realize it's probably the path forward, and also what the logistics are to make it happen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's always a consideration and that, and that comes down to like how you're rolling out the implementation. So when you, when you assess the need uh, for the culture change uh, that dictates how you're going to be doing the implementation and the needs of the organization. So one of it is, is that uh, a lot of organizations, you know, they want to get this, uh, the system in place as fast as possible. I'll actually advise against that and say, let's slow it down and, uh, you know, spread it out a little longer. Instead of three months, let's make this six months because we're going to be putting in a lot more training of getting your people up to speed. It, you know, if they've if they've never even used a calendar booking tool, you have to train them on that concept. Uh, so, like one-on-one stuff, mm-hmm. it seems real basic, but you you know, it's it's crawl, walk, run. And what we're trying to do is at the end of it, get them to the point where they can walk, and and then we can think about the more advanced concepts, which the the primary leaders are. That's what they're really excited about. But I'm like, you got to get that foundation in place first. Uh, so that's number one is that we'll say, hey, how long is this implementation going to be? Should we slow it down? Uh, and then you look at supporting coaching that goes in for the various different leaders, if that's needed, so that you keep training them on the tools and keep training them how they can then coach their their team. Uh, and then you'll have just ongoing team training engagement where you set up like monthly training and you work with the leaders to assess that, is this going to be needed? Are we going to have to do check-ins? And I often recommend that, that we need to have that. We need to beat that drum and keep reinforcing the tool on an ongoing basis. Uh, and then of course uh, you've got uh, essentially, you're going to say, listen, uh, we're, we're going to help support and be your administrator on this. And so we, we need to have some sort of administrative retrainer to, as, as you've learned this, you see more things that you like, more things that you want. And, and then we have to assess that we put those in. Uh, so it really comes down to those leveraging those four different tools uh, with a customer as to what they need. Yeah. Well, I can imagine, yeah, a lot of expectation setting. Of course, I would imagine a lot of these customers are like, yeah, we want to move fast. We want to have this set up as fast as possible. We want to see the results as fast as possible. But again, knowing that there's this whole element of culture change, like, all right, we need to slow it down. We need to make sure this whole team is ready, bought in and, and able to use these tools. When you talk about training uh, and you walk through some of the the tactics, the methods, the way in which you support these organizations, does the training happen concurrently with the implementation or are they more phased where we need to get the system in a place first and then the training comes after? Like what, what's the order of operations? So we do user acceptance training throughout the implementation. And, uh, and then we have basic training that we do just to get people into the system and using it. So uh, there's two, two things really, uh, user acceptance training on the system uh, because everything is, it's mm-hmm. a composable system. Everything's customized on a per uh, customer basis. Uh, and then there's some basic level training that we do that we have built into our implementation. Uh, and then on top of that is the, the other stuff I was talking about is more like custom on a per customer basis. Hey, we need to have monthly sessions where we go through this, reinforce these needs, maybe have it like ask me anything uh, so that we get the whole sales team present. Like we're going to be doing that uh, next week, 
gathering the entire sales team and it'll be just a, a, a level setting training session where they can ask us anything and, and, and really get a grip on what they have for a system. Right. So. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, obviously I would imagine you have a pretty standard scope of work for a systems implementation, knowing that there's always going to be some customizations on a client by client basis. Same can maybe be said for, for the way in which you help support and train these clients. But it sounds like there's some there's a fluid nature too, where it's like, you know, as this thing evolves and moves, you know, the degree in the the how how handholdy we are with with some of the onboarding uh, and the training stuff like that, that feels a little more fluid as you progress with a client, if that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah, you and you have to be, right? Like it's 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 interesting. Like uh I've had top sales team members that really, really love a CRM, but they just they're just you know, with technology, it's not their friend. So they like, you know, so their, their hearts into it, their minds into it, but they just, they, they really need some bait. Like, where do I find that again? Okay. Let's take you through that from the top and let's have this recording that you can access. And, you know, and like, you really need to, to work with them one-on-one. And so that, that's where that custom fluid uh, nature of an engagement is. Uh, But, you know, the important thing is recognizing that at the leadership level, that that's needed and it has to be often ongoing to beat that drum to make sure that your system will be, there will be high uptake on your system because you, you won't get the results well, you like, want if you don't have your people using it uh, appropriately. Yeah, it makes sense. It sounds, I mean, you know, we're first checking for like an eagerness, or openness, a willingness, but sometimes it's just familiarity with the software is going to take a little longer, right? Uh, all kids learning to ride a bike, you know, you want to, but you might just need right. the training wheels a little longer. And so it sounds like that's kind of part of that scope and process. Yeah, you bet. hundred percent. So Steve, based on your experience in, in helping these businesses with the culture change that pairs with a new CRM platform, do you have any recommendations for other partners, any tips or tricks, uh, if they're able to, you know, self-diagnose, they need to better account for the culture change aspect. Any recommendations for, for how they can start doing that? Yeah, for sure. What I would say, that the, the first thing is, is that you need to recognize uh, if your client has not had a CRM in the past, that you are doing a culture change. So be upfront about that. Uh, be upfront about that with your with your customers so that they're prepared for that mentally and know the process that they're going through. And then... Uh, be prepared to explain the behavior changes that are going to be happening with the various users of the CRM so that they can wrap their heads around if there's going to be additional responsibilities on job descriptions, uh, you know, and they're going to be changing their way of being and, and the training that's going to be required for that. So first, upfront about the fact that you are doing a culture change. Two, list off some of the behavior changes based on an assessment that you've done as to where they're at and and where their tech stack is at quite frankly because uh, they may not be advanced at all and you have to get them up to speed Mm. on even basic calendar and you know email connectivity believe it or not Uh, so so you assess uh, what the behavior changes are going to be uh, for the various different uh, users of the crm and you start with that, and then you then you then be prepared to make a, a a custom plan for for training and supporting that that change. Uh, also, the time frame of it. Uh, a culture change doesn't happen in three months. A culture change happens, you know, over several years. And so you and that that's an opportunity for partners because you're going to be working with the client for a longer longer term basis. Uh, but you need to support that transition. 
and 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 they're going to need somebody that's uh, going to need support on a, a variety of levels, uh, training on just uh, the how-to of of using a new system, uh, training on how to improve and and get more of the results they want out of the out of the platform and the system, and uh, in general, um, just uh, check-ins on on the you know on the re, uh, reports and and the KPIs that they're going to and and how they're get, how they're reaching their goals because this all has to be tied to a business result this mm-hmm. this uh, culture change that they're doing. Uh, you've mentioned the the behavior change piece uh, and I think you touched upon a couple of it. How would you how would you categorize or classify like the the most frequent like the new behaviors that a lot of these clients uh, have to adopt? Is it uh, I think like calendar organization uh, note taking. Uh, I think we've talked about accountability of, you know, uh, sales opportunity, uh, progress. Like what are some of the other behaviors that, that pop up most frequently that we need to help coach changes around? The biggest change that I've found with the uh, clients, and when we go back to those stats of, hey, these are the part of that 40% that don't have a CRM. And by default, because they don't have a CRM, a lot of them, almost all of them uh, don't have a very defined sales process. The biggest change, uh, behavioral change, is adhering to a defined process and then reflecting on the process and optimizing the process to learn how to get better. And all the pieces that come through that, there's going to be additional documentation and you're moving a deal from stage to stage. And and so it's the adherence to the process is the biggest shock to a lot of these folks because they've come from uh, an organization that was... Um, loose around uh, the processes <laughs> that were in place and uh and they just they just worked really hard to get things done and they've been successful uh as a result but now they they now they know that if they want to get to that next level they they need to have process to scale and to yeah. you know help onboard new team members and to grow right loose is a good uh good good term for it yeah like these processless teams are definitely uh yeah loose and so it sounds like uh, you know, stringent adherence to a defined process is the big one. Um, Steve, just one or two more questions for you. Um, I think the the first is uh, on this podcast, we find that uh, like failure stories uh, or lessons learned the hard way, like those are some of the most compelling uh, stories to tell. Is there a is there a time where you didn't properly acknowledge? the culture change with one of your prospects or clients? Like, obviously you're well aware of it now and you have a defined process to help these clients through the process. But but did, did you learn that the hard way for any particular client or prospect or engagement? Absolutely, I did. And, uh, you know, we, we believe in CRMs and uh, some people on our team are, are, are very convincing in the sales process to get people to sign up for a CRM. So, Knowing knowing when the organization is truly ready uh, for this change and willing to show up in a different way and, and become a different type of organization, you can't you can't push that too fast. If they're not ready and you're trying to push that you need this, and there's there's not a change champion there. That's like that's that's one of the key things that I look for, and I, I should have mentioned that earlier. You need to have that change champion that's that's going to be internally helping to drive mm-hmm. the process. Uh, and if that isn't in place, it's going to fail. 
So one of the things that I look for absolutely when I see, hey, we've got we've got a culture change, we're adding in all this process. I need to have a change champion. It doesn't have to be uh, one of the one of the owners, but it, it's got to be someone that has a high level of influence or a high level of responsibility within the organization, because then you know that they are going to put um, their shoulder behind it and and help make it happen. And without that change champion, you're, it's it's going to fail. And and uh, quite honestly, that change champion as well. You need to be able to assess, and it's tough at the beginning, but they need to have a high level of integrity because if they don't adhere to the culture change that's happening, well, if that person isn't doing it, why do the rest of us have to do it? Hmm. And, and so you need that change champion with a high level of integrity. And when that isn't in place, uh, right now, I, I, I know that, right? If I see that that's, we don't have that, that's high percentage of failure will happen. And we learned that the hard way. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Uh, yeah, it sounds like having uh, the change champion, the internal champion at this business, it's such a critical uh, advocate resource. You need it. Uh, Absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, Steve, final question for you. We wrap every episode with this. Uh, what is the strangest part of agency life? <laughs> I know you, I knew you were going to ask it uh, and I, I've been thinking about it. And, and I really think it's the, it's the diversity. Like even if you're segmented in one industry, it's the diversity of go-to-market strategies that these various different organizations are able to employ. It's fascinating how all these different organizations have the ability uh, to create value uh, for their customers uh, and in turn create wealth uh, for their organization. And it's just like, it's just so much diversity, even within like one industry vertical. Uh, and I just like, and we get to come in and we get to learn the nuances of it uh, and, and, you know, be be open enough to understand that, you know, there are best practices, but gosh, the way you're doing this, that's that's really working for you and your ideal client profile. And you're 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 doing a great job. Now, let's let's optimize this. Let's scale this. And there's just there's just so much so many different ways people are out there adding value to the marketplace. Yeah. Well, there's like so many different businesses and types of businesses, even in the same industry, there's probably products and services. You're like, never in a million years that I think I would become a subject matter expert on that. But then it's also, it sounds like a layer deeper, right? Yeah, there's sure there's best practices, but uh, if there's tried and true methods that work for a particular business, no, you you know, don't, don't fix what's not broken. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a, it's a ton of fun helping organizations just reach their growth goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reach the summit. Uh, if we, if we can tie this back into the, the metaphor from the beginning here. For sure. Yeah. Always trying to reach the peak. Well, Steve, uh, thanks so much for joining us. I think we're officially out of time here. So uh, we'll, we'll jump. Um, thanks so much for sharing your insights, your expertise. Um, and for folks that have been tuning in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered. So Steve, thanks again for joining us. It was wonderful to be here.